Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. I want to carry on a bit from last week, and we spoke about having the courage to sail past the islands of poverty. And um, those islands of poverty are doubt, lack, and insecurity. And um, I was preaching to myself as much as to anyone. Because this week, now every time I feel a little bit afraid, I'm like, is this doubt, lack, or insecurity? And I'm trying to identify, because all of us have fears, and all of us are afraid of the unknown, right? And so, once you, anyone who's moved internationally, anyone who's changed jobs, anyone who's had to change schools when you're a, you know what it's like to sail bravely into the unknown. Amen? And so, you've, in, in various areas of your life, you have overcome, you have sailed through islands of lack and doubt and insecurity. And this morning I wanted to speak, and, and the question came into mind, I just felt God saying, what is love? Identify or speak about my love. That song popped in my head. What is love? <laughs> came into my head, I'm like, oh no, can't get that one out of my head. <laughs> so for the rest of the service, you're going to have that thing floating, you know. <laughs> um, but... What is love? And, and Danny Silk, he says it's, you know, he, he counsels a lot of married couples, you know, and, and they, they've come to this place in their marriage where if it wasn't for a counselor, you know, they're not going to make it, you know, through another six months. Business rescue has come into play, you know, and uh, inside joke there, you know. And, <laughs> and so you, you're like, what is love? And, and, and these couples sit before him and, and he finds out that so many of them fell into love. You know, how many of you fell in love? Can I just see? Yeah. He just, you know, can't, he, sees, he doesn't understand how people fall in love. Like it's a big hole. Like you just, boom, you fall. And then he finds it even more amusing when people fall out of love. Like, you know. It's, and, and so he's, with God as well, it's it's. You know, we didn't just fall in love with God, and it's not just by accident. There is a, a way that we fall in love, if I can put it that way. And, and let me just say this, love is a choice. Not once in your life did you fall in love, even though you put your hands up. You saw, in my case, it was a nice Bernadine at school. And I made certain decisions and I pursued those decisions. And there needed to be someone on the other side pursuing those decisions back. Maybe not at the same speed, not at the same expectation. But if you look at it, it's all a decision. It doesn't happen by accident. And I think the reason God wanted to say this is, is because His love is so powerful that if you think God just loves you because you exist or by accident, you're going to fall short of the, the knowledge that, that you have of yourself. 
And so many people think, yeah, God just loves me because I'm human and because I'm a person and because he has to love me. But God makes a specific decision to love you. He chose you even before you were born. And then the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. That love is an action. It's not just something he's doing by accident. And I know we know this, but deep in the depths of our hearts, sometimes we go through a lot of our lives just thinking, you know, well, God, you know, kind of likes me. (laughs) But we don't understand that there is a focused attention and a powerful love that he focuses on us. And so I love this John 4 and 5, um, 1 John 4 and 5. And and in my Bible, I, I took these words and we were taught to, to take these words and highlight them in a specific way. And, and when you do that, a message comes out. And in verse 17, it says, In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have. And there's the word confidence in my Bible. Is anyone else reading their Bibles? First of all, just put up your hand if you have a Bible in front of you. All right. <laughs> Take the word confidence in your Bible. That's verse 17, 1 John 4, verse 17, and highlight the word confidence. And what is confidence? How many of you know it takes confidence to tell someone you love them? When it was my turn, I was trembling like a leaf. We were in the kitchen catering, and I'm like, I've got to tell this girl, I like her. <laughs> How many of you know that that's not an, I mean, can I just change, if you had to go through that same prayer, you know, Pete, just, I'm not the only one. All of you guys like macho, like, what are you talking about? I was just like, And I knew where the mugs were, and I knew where the glasses were, and we were making coffee, but I was like taking glass out and walking in the wrong direction, and <laughs> like right now I'm going to reveal the world's greatest secret, and I'm afraid to do it. God, will you help me, please? <laughs> and I got it out of my mouth, and then there's this nervous wait, Right? Like at this point in time, she's going to say, sorry, brew, lots of fish in the sea, got to go. Or <laughs> luckily there was a mutual understanding. And so it takes what, what, what confidence is, is really just being transparent. How many of you know that if any of us don't have confidence, it's because we're probably trying to hide something? Hello? Am I speak- if I speak the truth, say yes. Amen, all right. <laughs> if, if, if you're not confident about something, it's probably because you're afraid someone's going to find out something about you. Thanks. There we go. One honest yes at the back, all right. That's the only reason you're not confident. How many of you know, if you just, like as a guy, when watching cricket on TV, I've got this dream that they'll just phone me by accident and... And like, yeah, I can bowl like Dale Stain, sure. You know, let me just go out there. And it's like a big dream. But how many of you know that the moment I step onto that field in front of national television, 
I am going to be exposed. As a private Christian school first team player that played in the fifth team in the club, you know, like never, you know, they're going to be like, this dude has never played in first team anything, all right? (laughs) So being exposed isn't necessarily bad. It's just that we don't like to be exposed. The most vulnerable person in a room is the person on the field. If you go watch a boxing match, the most vulnerable person is not the crowd screaming, yay, it's the guy with the boxing gloves. He either has it or he's going to get smacked in the face. And everyone's going to remember that. (laughs) So that's what being confident is. Confidence is about saying, I have nothing to hide. I am completely transparent. Look at my life. Look at what it has to show. Jesus says, if a fruit bears, if a tree bears fruit, you understand? If a tree is righteous, if someone is righteous, they bear fruit. You can see it. How do you think Jesus knew which branches to cut off and burn? It was the ones you could clearly see weren't bearing fruit. So when we got married, we went to an engagement course. I don't remember anything they taught us other than everyone has skeletons in the closet. And then go outside and tell your fiancé your skeletons. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Right, so do you have any skeletons? No, no, never. No, no ways, nothing. (laughs) And even though there really is nothing in my life that can affect or harm my marriage, because there's not confidence, there is a fear to, you understand? If, if, if you don't have confidence, even the smallest thing you've done is a big skeleton in the closet. Some people have really big skeletons and, and they think they've got nothing. They're like, whatever, I've done nothing. Tell me what I did wrong. You understand? <laughs> so, so here we are now. And, 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 and all I remember is lying through the skin of my teeth. I've got... No skeletons. You see, because in a place of love, you need to be as transparent as possible. And if I talk about a good marriage, a good marriage is the kind of place where you can come out and speak about anything. And you're not, let's use the word judged. Can I say that? But it's understood who you are and what your best intentions are. And so a good relationship, whether it's between man and a woman in a marriage, between God and us, whether it's between a boss and his colleagues, a good relationship says, let's be transparent. A good relationship says, you can't shock me enough so that this relationship doesn't work anymore. A good, a good loving relationship says, man, <laughs> we can deal with that. We can work with that. We can be responsible with that. Because the person who wants to be transparent understands that they need to be transparent. They need to take responsibility so that they can protect the relationship. As long as they're skeletons, there's harm. There's distrust. That makes sense? But that's the bad, you know, that's the skeleton side. I'm just, (laughs) 
There's other ways to be transparent. And, and so many of us go through that daily where we just don't have confidence to do things. We don't have confidence. We're afraid. We feel, you know. And, and many of those, those, those feelings are absolutely just not real. If we face them and we say, listen, I'm going to be transparent about how I'm feeling. Let's move forward. Does that make sense? So, so that's really what confidence is. And so, yeah, in verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love. But full-grown love turns fear out of the doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. Another scripture says, God disciplines those he loves and withholds discipline from those he does not love. I mean, does what? <laughs> so he who withholds something is afraid there will be punishment. But he who is willing to be changed, to have his life changed, says, I'll take the discipline. Because I know the discipline will bring us to a better place. And so there's a focus on a better place. There's a kind of confidence that God gives us. So what I'm trying to say is, is that to love, to be in a loving, loving relationship, many of us want to skip. That's why we use the word, I fell in love. Because we like the love part, the feeling of I like you. But we've skipped the becoming confident part. Hello? Yeah, is it quiet because you're thinking? <laughs> How many of you have been in a situation where you, you're like, I love this, but I didn't know if I really want to commit to this? That's because we haven't gone through the process of confidence, a relationship without fear. Listen, if, if I'm speaking into marriages right now, there, God wants to bring confidence into marriage. If you're married, there's no way out. There's no way out. There's no back door. There's no, oh no. God, God doesn't like divorce. I don't want to bring condemnation on anyone. Not at all. But I want to point to, I once went to speak to Tani Saki. She's, she's someone who's previously married. And, and I spoke about marriage in church. And I said to her, listen, was that a bit heavy? She said, if every young person can just have heard this, if I could just have heard this, we're speaking to, to, we're speaking to God's love. I'm speaking to his relationship with us. And sometimes what happens in the physical is a mirror of our relationship with God and a mirror of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if there's something that's broken, we need to go back and say, okay, but God, will you come into this situation Will you come and help me fix it? And even if it's broken and even if it's too late, we can still go and say, God, I've been through this. It's over. My marriage is done for. Or my work relationship is broken. God, can you come and help me? Can you come and fix me? Can you fix my relationship with you? And I feel like that's what God wants to do this morning, is to remind us of what his love is. That it's not just... A lack of feeling. But it's a powerful force. And so I underlined that word confidence. And I realized that love 
is a journey from confidence. And what happens is, as confidence builds, as confidence grows, we become what we call believers. You see, if I've got confidence in something, I can believe in it. Hello? <laughs> when you're, man, when you, when, when you meet the love of Jesus Christ, he, the first thing he does is he gives you confidence in him. And then you're able to believe. Those who can't believe, don't believe because of all sorts of insecurities and fears. Whenever I speak to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, the only proof or whatever argument they have about believing is, but why would Jesus do that? Why would he allow that? What about this and what about that? And they list, if you're listening, they're listing fears and uncertainties. And so there's a journey from confidence, understanding that in this love there is no fear, to a place where we become believers. And I want to say, a believer is someone who understands God's perfect intention. And if we're talking about a relationship, man, I believe in my wife. Hello? I believe in Jesus, but I believe, not, not at a, let's just be clear, not at a worship space, at I believe in her intent. That's part of love. Is, oh, it just sounds so cliched, believing the best in everyone, right? <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just dig into that a little bit. Um. In, John, in 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God. For many false prophets have gone forth into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, and that is the Spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has become man and has come in the flesh and is of God. And it sounds heavy to say, don't believe every spirit. But how many of you know that everything you hear from someone else comes from a spirit? And so we want to put faith in spirits. We, by, by spirit, we, we spoke about it last week. A spirit is not a demon on someone's shoulder. You with me? If I have a spirit of poverty, it doesn't mean that Mr. Poverty sits on my shoulder. It means that I have an attitude that leans towards poverty. So what the scripture is saying is don't put faith in every attitude. Don't put faith in every way of thinking. The old adage, don't believe what everyone tells you. Don't believe what you read on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. But have faith in Jesus Christ. Because everyone who confesses that he came in the flesh is. But now, 
in my marriage, in my love relationship, I have full faith in a person. And I become a believer in that person. And I understand their prophetic calling. And I understand their skills. And I understand their talents. And I understand the way they think. And so we can be believers in our relationships. And that is part of what builds up love. So, how many of you have been in a fight this month with your loved one? Okay, Otu, thank you for your honesty. It's a real man of God sitting in the front here. <laughs> Why? Angie's so amazing. And so <laughs> how many of you have been in a fight with someone this year? All right. And when you go and think about it, that little thing you feel here, that <laughs> like, I'm going to fight now. It's over. <laughs> Love me. Okay. Now I've got a better voice than that. I don't use that one, but you know, it's just like something gets broken. And you're like, that's it. It's broken. If we don't fight now, the world is not going to be a better place. Die Heere sê, ek moet nie kwaad slaap nie, maar ons gaan kwaad slaap vanavond. <laughs> you get it better, you don't touch it, you're like, good night, good night. <laughs> see you tomorrow. Yes, see you tomorrow. <laughs> A lot of laughter, because I bet it's happened to everyone this year, right? <laughs> Your feet touching, like, oof. <laughs> All of that comes from not being confident in yourself and a fear that somehow if you submit in some way you're going to be a changed person forever and you're not going to like who you've become. That's where that comes from. And the only way you can change that fear is by believing in the person you're with. Because when you look at that person's giftings, and you look at that person's calling, and you look through the dirt that maybe clouds their lives, you see someone that God created and you see someone that God loves. And you realize that God loves you in exactly the same way. I've never won a fight by changing the other person and yet I enter every fight wishing I could change that person. Now it's quiet. (laughs) There is no way you can change anyone. And I know this because we all have our own bad habits And you haven't even been able to change yourself, but you think one fight is going to change that person. Forever. If I just say this line with the right emphasis, that person's life's going to be changed forever. And ever. And in that way, I will be happily married. Or in that way, I'll be able to work for this person. Or 
love your children or children love your parents and, and there's, you know what, there's no way. No way. The only way you can change that situation is by first having the confidence to believe in yourself and having the confidence to believe in the person you're with. Hello? That's what belief is. So, so yes, Jesus. And, and he's like, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten. In other words, he sent his, the only person he knows is sin-free, fully. Oh, and he sends Jesus. And he's like, I know that Jesus is going to reveal my identity to the world. And I know that I am going to reveal his identity to the world. And the world is going to believe. See, it says in, um, let me just get my, in John 17 actually, it says, The world will know that you have sent me by the way the believers love each other. Like the world is watching. And if they don't know that Jesus was sent by God, it's because the believers haven't figured out how to love. And haven't been able to demonstrate love for one another. The believers are still running around trying to feel good. This feels good. No, that doesn't feel good. And so love becomes a feeling. And when love is just a feeling, then, all right, I can love because it feels good, but the moment it doesn't feel good, I'm out. The moment it doesn't feel lacquered anymore, then I'm out of here. And so we go to churches and we're like, this church is not lacquered. Go to another church. We go to meet people and we, it's not lacquered. But love is so much more deeper than lacquer. It starts with confidence and then becomes a belief. It becomes something you think. It becomes something you believe and eventually it becomes a spirit. And love becomes the way you behave. And when we define love, it's not feelings. Listen, if you meet someone in the parking lot, you can't love that person on that day. How do I know I truly love someone? Big question. We can earn a million bucks right now. We're going to put this podcast online. Google Analytics it like crazy. We have the answer to love. How do I know that I truly love someone? Your feeling man I love her there's someone in our church they met they met their husband three four months ago but they you know what Any, everyone in the group who knows them knows that it's the right thing because when they saw each other they had a belief that they were going to get married for each other right so it, I'm trying to say belief doesn't have to build up over a long time. It, it's belief. 
So what is love? Love is when you are mindful of their nature. And you're absolutely, you want what they want. That's what love is. Love is when you look at your wife and you're like, I want what she wants for herself. The Bible describes it as do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And then Jesus says, but I take that commandment, do unto others or love one another the way I have loved the church. Jesus is saying, I was so aware that this world needed to be saved that I gave up my life for this world. And when he was hanging on the cross, he wasn't like, excuse me, can you just move the nails a little bit in? This isn't comfortable. This is not lacquer. Thorns. No man, I wanted gold. (laughs) No. He was so aware of our nature. He was so aware of who we are supposed to be. He was so aware of how God created us. And he was so aware of the differences of how far we had fallen short. Scripture says all have fallen short. And that's not a message of condemnation. That's a message of how much Jesus loved us. He looked at the situation, he looked at the world, he said, look how far fallen it is. Look at what it is meant to be and there's a massive gap and I'm going to step into that gap so that our world can become that, so that we can actually see the kingdom of God manifested on earth. And so... When we talk about loving someone else, listen, if you come tell me you want to get married, I'm going to ask you, do you love that person? In the same way that Jesus loves the body of Christ. Because when you love someone, suddenly their best intentions are in your heart and in your mind. I meet a lot of new people all the time. And I can feel the moment I start to really love them. You say, Pastor, you must love me straight away. (laughs) But it's impossible to love someone when you meet them. You meet them. You spend time with them. You do things together. You have fun with them. And then at a moment, you realize, wow, I really care for that person. And that's the moment love takes root. That's the moment you feel love. Now, I'm talking about normal relationships. We want to demonstrate God's love to every person. Does that make sense? I know that when people walk in this church for the first time, they feel God's love. God said to us, love my people. That's a supernatural kind of love. That's a tapping into the Holy Spirit saying, 
I don't know that person. I don't know where they're from. But Father, will you fill me with your spirit? Will you give me a supernatural understanding? It's what the prophetic ministry in this church is all about. Is about, man, if you come and you come for a prophetic ministry, the ultimate goal is that people will know that God thinks about them and cares about them and understands where they are. No prophetic ministry should be used to control people, should be used to tell people what to do, should be used to tell people the earth is going to end and if you do this and that. As soon as there's an ounce of fear, you know that's not God. Because there is no fear in God's love. It's confidence It's belief and it's love. So let's just highlight these these words here. In in 1 John 4.17, highlight the word confidence. In 1 John 4.18, highlight the word no fear. In 1 John 5, highlight the word, 5 verse 1, highlight the word believes. Everyone who believes. In 1 John 5 verse 2, highlight the words, by this we come to know that we love the children of God. And when we love God, sorry, by this we come to know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commands, we keep His ordinance and are mindful of His precepts. See, there's something about being in a loving relationship that makes me mindful of the other person's precepts. We're mindful of God, all right? So I'm just trying to draw a parallel. Because Jesus said, love others the way he loved us. So, so if I'm mindful of God's precepts, it means when I say to someone I love them, I am mindful of their values. And I'm also willing to obey when asked. Ooh, that's a hot one. Hey, lovey, will you quickly? no. I'm mindful. I'm preaching to myself as much as to the church. And I honestly go and I spend time after each sermon and I'm like, wow, God, you've spoken. Now help me to practice. Help me to put it into place. And so you see as you listen and you put it into practice, you just become who God has called you to be. And then we end up at a place, 1 John 5 verse 4, it says, For whatever is born of God is victorious. Highlight the word victorious. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Who is it that is victorious over the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What does it mean to be victorious? To be victorious, I just feel means to have understanding and insight into the ways of God. If I understand and have insight into the ways of God, if, if, if I am courageous, confident, if I am a believer, if I am filled with love, then what happens is I have a full understanding of the ways of God. I have a full understanding 
of his intent. It means that I am victorious because I become a completely different person in Jesus Christ. And so the victory becomes ours when we respond as believers. That's when the victory is. But what happens is, is that victory is given to us as an understanding. We spoke about seeing the kingdom two weeks ago. You can hear the words. Remember Job? Job says in, 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 in his life, just before his life gets turned around, Job says, up until this moment I've heard the words of God. But for the first time I see him. And I proposed this. I said, Job was a righteous man by listening only. His first life he got right by listening, by hearing. And then he goes through all of that that he goes through and he gets to the point where for the first time he sees God for who he is. And God added to him, we know the blessings that came in Job's second life. And I propose that in his first life he only did what he was told, but in the second life he actually saw what God's intention for his life was. And that brings victory. If you're seeing God's nature, if you're, if you're seeing that God created man to have dominion over the earth, if you're seeing that God created man to be blessed and to multiply in every area of their lives, then that's what you're seeing. And you understand the nature. Then all of these little thingy-majiggies happen outside and you're not changed. When you see God, you're not changed by the stuff that happens. You have a love of Jesus Christ. You have a love for his saving power. And, and I just got stirred in this. In that Jesus is a savior and he is a lord. And so, so many people have said, Jesus, will you save me? Will you save me? Will you save me? And they brought up out of their sin. And they brought up out of, out of their sickness and their illness. Jesus healed ten lepers. Nine of them were healed. And Jesus says, but only one turned back to come and say thank you. In other words... So many people are saved and set free. But then comes the next part. Jesus is Lord. In other words, I believe and have full confidence and have full victory. Hello? <laughs> so God, when he loves us, he's... Man, he's confident in us. He looks down at you and he's like, I'm confident in you. He looks down at you and he says, I believe you. Wow, isn't that one of the most healing words? How many of you, after not you know, getting to bed like that in a marriage, like, the next morning you hear the words, I believe you. What kind of healing that brings. I'm sorry for the way I mistreated you. 
and equally freeing when you as a person say, I am sorry for the way I treated you. I was not responsible with my words, with my thoughts, with my actions. I believe in you. Wow, there's healing that takes place. Yeah, yeah, God is saying, he's saying, through my son Jesus, I believe in you. Not he believes in you like, like we believe that there's a God. Jesus says, in fact, he was saying, even the demons believe there's a God. <laughs> but believe in, like believe in best intentions. And so, the last thing I want to say and this just ties in with being confident and transparent and believing and being loving. I want to challenge you. If you have been waiting for a judgment day, if you have been waiting for one moment where you think somewhere down the line, you know, I'm messing up right now, I haven't got my life in order, and, and you know what, I actually I'm not ready to get my life in order I'm not ready to get my stuff in place. But you know what? I, I know that in 10 years time, I'm, I'm going to have my stuff in order. And I'm hoping that God's going to say, well done. I just felt the words this morning that, that say, treat every day like judgment day. Come open. Be transparent every single day. Does that make sense? Can I just read one of my favorite verses? It's, it's, it's John 3. We know John 3.16 so well. But from verse 18, it says, For he did not send his son into the world in order to judge or condemn or pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. And he who believes, but he who believes in him. It's that next step. The world is made safe and sound. But then he who believes is not judged. But he who does not believe is judged already. And the basis of the judgment the ground, the test is this. The light has come into the world and people have loved darkness more than the light for their works. And so God is saying, treat every day in our understanding. Because he's saying, if you believe and if you step out to the light, you, find, you will find that you are not judged you will find that you are in a safe place. And that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but he sent Jesus to bring the world into a safe place where healing can take place, where people in bondage can be set free, where broken hearts can be restored, where physical bodies can be healed. Where doubt and fear is tossed. And insecurities are washed away. Because we've got Jesus. We've got the Son of God living inside of us. And God loves us in the same way that He loves His Son. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.